Well, you can all probably guess that the scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you could stand for the reading of God's word. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, came from, the, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The word of the Lord. out of my way here. Is this for me? No, it's too low. I have to tell you this. Um, we were singing that song, uh, Angels We Have Heard on High this morning. I don't know if Julie's ever told this story, and since our youngest daughter's not here to defend herself. Um, when when she was a little girl, I don't know how old she was, four or five years old, they they sang this song. We sang it in church. The children might have sung it. And Gloria in Excelsis Deo makes no sense to a four or five-year-old. So what Amy heard was this. Gloria in, in Chelsea's stable. Well... When she, fi- she sang it that way for years when she pro- finally got old enough to read the words and realize what she'd been doing. She was not happy with their parents for letting her sing the other version for so long. So, well, We're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning that we've perhaps read and heard maybe hundreds of times. And in spite of that, it's a story that I think we still love to hear. And in some way is new every time we read or hear it. You know, the the message, the beauty of Christmas is that its message is profound and yet simply given. 
And what I want to do this morning is look at the obvious and familiar and pull some truths for daily living out of the scripture. This morning I want to focus on gift giving. But before I do, I want to talk about the gift givers in this story for just a moment. Um, These characters, what we call the wise men or the magi, may be some of the best known but least known about persons in the New Testament. The scriptural account really gives us very few details about the wise men or magi or kings as they are referred to in scripture, story, and song. And um, I think it's interesting, you know, we have a, a manger scene in the back here in front of the sound booth, and you'll notice that the shepherds and the wise men are all there at the same time. You know, I don't want to mess up your Christmas vision or story, but they weren't there at the same time. Um, The wise men came sometime later. In fact, we heard that in the story this morning as as, uh, Herod questions them about the time the star had appeared. Um, And they came from the east. Where in the east? Well, we don't know. Um, Probably the most common thought is they came from Persia or Babylonia or possibly Arabia. And uh, we show them riding camels. Probably not. Um, Camels were cargo carriers. Men of the stature of the wise men or magi would more than likely have ridden horses. And there were three of them. No, they gave three gifts, but we really don't know how many magi there were. And there's a lot of other things we could talk about. But finally, many of the commentators feel that these men were probably pagans or priests of the Zoroastrian religion. But I would like to think that they were God worshipers. Um, Perhaps influenced by the descendants of the Jews who had been exiled to their country of origin centuries earlier. You know, they knew the scripture that prophesied that a star would herald the birth of a king. That would be found in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And the gifts they brought indicate to me the leading of the Spirit. Gold, a gift that was given to kings. Um, Frankincense, it was a type of incense used in worship because they often offered incense in worship and then myrrh a spice that was used for embalming the dead all appropriate for who Jesus was and why he came and then it says after they presented their gifts they fell down and worshiped this baby they understood that Jesus was not your garden variety earthly king I think that they understood that he was divine. And then the end of the story tells us that God knew what Herod was planning if they went back to him. So he came to them in a dream and said, hey, you need to go home a different way. And they heard, they listened, and they obeyed. Well, that's just kind of the setting the scene I think many of us would agree today that gift giving 
is a big part of, or maybe even the very heart of Christmas is demonstrated by these wise men. We know that Jesus is God's gift to mankind. In fact, the Apostle Paul describes Jesus as the indescribable gift. And the Magi gave gifts to baby Jesus, and we give gifts now at Christmas to one another. Gift giving is a wonderful tradition, though in our material culture we know that it can get out of hand. But it's wonderfully symbolic and in character with what's described in this story that was read to us this morning. Um, Howard McGlamry, in his book, Who Invented the Christmas Present, cites the gift of the Magi, the story of the gift of the Magi by O. Henry. And he writes this. Have you heard the classic story by O. Henry, the gift of the Magi? The story is about a young married couple who are very much in love. Christmas is approaching and neither one has enough money to buy the other a Christmas gift. Each one does have one prized possession that they hold dear to themselves, something they treasure very much. Della, the wife, has beautiful waist-length hair. Jim, the husband, has a beautiful gold pocket watch that belonged to his grandfather. In her love for her husband, Jim, Della goes to a wig maker and sells her hair in order to buy Jim a beautiful extravagant gold chain for his watch. Jim, in the meantime, sells his watch in order to buy Della a beautiful set of combs and brushes for her hair. Each one, out of their love for the other, sacrifices the one thing they prize the most for the other. And here is the last paragraph of the story. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones. And here I have lamely related to you the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrificed for each other the greatest treasures of their house. But in a last word to the wise of these days, let it be said that of all those who give gifts, these two were the wisest. Of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are the wisest. Everywhere, they are the wisest. They are the magi. See, our text today is all about giving. It tells of God's gift to sinful humanity and the wise men's recognition of that gift, that it had been given, and as a result, the gifts that they gave. This scripture provides for us an example to follow in gift giving. We follow God's example by being willing to give. For God gave what was undeserved to the undeserving. We follow the example of the wise men in the value of the gifts we give. For God's gift to us can never be matched in value. Yet what the wise men gave was valuable because of the meaning of the gifts they gave and the motivation behind the giving. So I want to talk 
just briefly about the gifts that we give sometimes. There's the reciprocal gift. It covers two situations. One, we give gifts because a gift has been given to us. You know, someone gives us a gift maybe that we didn't expect, and it's like, oh my, I wonder how much that costs. And we think we have to return a gift of similar or greater value. Have you ever sent a Christmas card, or excuse me, well, yeah. Have you ever sent a Christmas card to someone you really hadn't planned on sending a Christmas card to, but you received one from them? Yeah. You know how it goes. Oh, no, we just got a card from so-and-so, and we didn't send them one. So, real quick, you pop one in the mail. The other kind of reciprocal gift is a gift given with the expectation that I will get something in return, either a gift of equal or higher value. And then there's the imposed obligation gift. The gift given because I want something from you. See, I've got a piano that I know I'm going to need help moving down the road. Or some other little, big, or maybe not so big favor that I want. In other words, you owe me one and I'll let you know when I want to collect. Because I gave you a gift. And would you agree that these, this kind of gift is not given in keeping with the spirit of the Magi? Let's say, uh, in a more positive light, there are gifts that we give sometimes called thank you gifts. They're given because you appreciate the service, work, or faithfulness of someone. You just want to say thank you with something more than words, so you give a gift with no expectation of receiving anything in return. That's pretty positive, isn't it? Well... So those are the reciprocal gifts that sometimes we find people giving. But I want to talk about Magi-style gifts. These are love gifts. These are grace gifts. They're gifts meant to bless and honor the recipient. And I want to note two things about the gifts that the Magi gave. First is this. They were given personally. See, these were wealthy men. They, they came from another country. We don't know how far away, we don't know how long they traveled, but we know that they did come from far away and we know that they did travel. And they could have sent those gifts along with a messenger, but they set out on a mission to personally deliver these gifts to the Christ child. It was not only the value of the gifts given, but the value of the time, effort, and energy it took to deliver those gifts personally. And then the gifts that the Magi gave were wholly given. See, it was more than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was also worship. It was adoration. It was glory and honor and praise to Jesus. These were the intangibles of the gifts they gave. See, true Magi-style gifts, love gifts, grace gifts, cannot be repaid. God sent Jesus to die for us, to give us eternal life. God's gift of Jesus was a love, a a grace gift. We don't work for it, we can't work for it, and we could never, never repay it. 
And so, what are the characteristics then of grace, love, gifts? Well, it's impossible to measure that kind of gift in the eyes and heart of the recipient. See, these kinds of gifts have love as their main ingredient. We had a lady in our church in eastern Oregon, uh, Jeannie. And um, I think our daughters may still have, she made quilts, but she made them out of um, denim. Old, she'd take old blue jeans that people would donate to her and, and she would sew together and it was a, you know, a patchwork of different colors of denim and, and um, on, on some of those, there, I know there's a quilt that has a scripture verse on each one of the squares. Now, I know there was a lot, lot of work that went into making that gift, and that's part of the intangible, and, but it was the love that this, that gift was given that really made the difference. And those kind of gifts really last, and uh, I mean in our minds and hearts. Those, those quilts may wear out someday, but the, the love behind the giving of those quilts will last in the hearts and minds of our daughters. And so those kinds of gifts are meaningful because of the non-material. I mean, material gifts can be meaningful. I'm not saying that, and I'm not advocating that we quit giving material gifts, but think about what makes those kinds of gifts meaningful. It's the, it's the love and the thought that goes into them, whether it's something handmade or the fact that they did the research and took the time to Find something for you that was just right. And I think about intangible kinds of gifts that we give. And one of those kinds of gifts is the gift of togetherness. Spend time with those you love. Make time to spend time. See, both quantity and quality are important here. You know, I used to like, um, one of the things I liked to do with my dad was watch, well, mostly college football. We didn't watch much pro, but we liked to watch college football. And we didn't say a lot to each other because my dad was busy coaching the teams on the television set. But it's a great memory and something that we both enjoyed. The togetherness gift. Then there's the service gift. Do something for somebody. We had people here Friday night and yesterday morning doing something for somebody else. It's people with skills that maybe lend a hand. Plumbers or mechanics or carpenters or people with cooking or sewing or music skills. I had a lady in one of our churches who offered to read books and summarize them for me just to help me save time. And guess what? We have people in this church who share their music gifts with one another or people who drive you to the airport. Service gifts. So there are five things, I think, today that the wise men teach us about giving. First, give something unexpected. 
No one expected the wise men to show up with a gift. Well, God the Father knew, but Mary and Joseph, I'm sure, were surprised. These guys, as far as we know, weren't even Jews. They have no skin in this game, as we say. They've just been studying the skies. Herod wasn't expecting them. Jerusalem wasn't expecting them. Do something for somebody that comes clear out of the blue. Totally unexpected. Make a grace love gift that they would never expect. And without expectation that you will get anything in return. You know, that's so nice for us in ministry. We receive so many gifts, especially at this season of the year, from you. The people we shepherd, the people we serve and worship with, and there is no expectation that we would reciprocate. And it's a good thing because because for us to do so in a meaningful way would be impossible. Your gifts to us, and not just us, I'm sure, are grace, love, appreciation gifts given with no strings attached. Thank you. Another way we can emulate the wise men is to give with genuine joy. See, when they gave their gifts, they gave them with great joy. They rejoiced when they saw the star. They rejoiced when they saw the child. They could hardly wait to give what they had brought. Richard Foster writes, giving with glad and a Giving with glad and generous hearts has a way of routing out the tough old miser within us. Even the poor need to know that they can give. Just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. That something is that it destroys the demon greed. Let's not be like the man who prayed, God, you can have anything you can pry out of my hands. Have you ever, well, you probably did. You, you know, with kids, I remember our girls, you know, especially when they were little and they made, maybe made something at Sunday school or something for mom and dad. It was wrapped up and it was like they could not wait for you to open. Remember that? They said, open mine, open mine. That's giving with genuine joy. And then give personally when possible. See, giving personally is a gift within a gift. I know you can't always do that. You know, I've got a brother in Pennsylvania, a brother in Oklahoma, and I don't remember the last time I gave them a personal Christmas gift. You know, we just go to Amazon and say, send it here. And But give personally when possible. It makes a difference. And then next, give a gift that will last. You know, the gifts that the, that the wise men gave, we're still talking about 2,000 years later. You know, you can't go down and buy one of those kinds of gifts. You know, th- those kinds of gifts that we give that, well, that we hand people sometimes, they break, they wear out, they get lost. But it's what's behind that that, that lasts and lasts and lasts. There, there are two kinds of lasting gifts. One is the gift of good memories. Well, 
See, the only thing that is going to last for your spouse, the only thing that's going to last for your kids and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, if you have them, are great memories. That's what I say at funerals. One of the things we have that can't be taken away from us, even though our loved one is gone, is our memories of them. Spend time making memories with the people you love. Um, When we lived in eastern Oregon, we used to go to a little town called Echo because um, there were some places out there where they were old homes, probably built in the late 1800s, you know, big two- and three-story homes, and the people there would just, they'd go all out in decorating them. So we liked to go out to Echo every Christmas season and drive through town. There was one guy who had a little stable, and he'd, he'd have his donkey out there and his sheep and a manger, and so we'd drive by, you know, the living nativity. And and then there was, you know, kind of the some ritzier homes up the hill by the golf course, and I think on this particular year we'd had some freezing rain and it was pretty steep and you had to you couldn't you really couldn't keep your momentum up because you had some pretty sharp curves to go around up this hill and I got into one of those curves and lost traction and I got the vehicle stopped and all the ladies in the car jumped out because <laughs> they didn't want to go over the edge of the hill. That's a great Christmas memory. (laughs) Actually, what I was able to do is I kind of tapped the brakes till the front end of the... It was a Dodge Caravan. Got turned around and pointed back down the hill. And I think I drove down a ways. And when they felt like it was safe to crawl back in the van with me, I opened the doors and I let them in. Yeah. The gift of good memories. And then the gift of a godly heritage. I do not think you can place... This is one of those things you absolutely cannot place a value on. It will bless for generations. And some of that has to do with what you do at Christmas to make sure that Jesus is the focus. Amen? And then, whatever gift you give, give it now. Give that gift. Don't wait. Samuel Johnson said, He who waits to do a great deed of good all at once will never do anything. I found this piece. I don't know who wrote it, but it says this. They were going to be all they wanted to be tomorrow. None would be braver or kinder than they tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and wearied they knew would be glad for a lift, and he needed it too. And on him they would call and see what they could do tomorrow. Each morning they stacked up the letters they'd write tomorrow and thought of the folks they would fill with delight tomorrow. The greatest of people they might just have been, the world would have opened its heart to them, but in fact, they passed on and faded from view, and all they left when their life living was through was a mountain of things they intended to do tomorrow. You know, those wise men weren't going home till they'd given their gifts to Jesus. They pressed through the opposition, they pressed through time, 
I'm sure they got discouraged. I'm sure people said, give it up. You're never going to find him. But they kept on. You know, one of the saddest things there is, is folks at a funeral who wish they could have one day back to do or say something for the person that's now gone. Um, This isn't usually sermon stuff, but there was a group called Mike and the Mechanics a few years back that did a song called The Living Years. And it says this, I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. I didn't get to tell him all the things I had to say. I think I caught his spirit later that same year. I'm sure I heard his echo in my baby's newborn tears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. That thing we should do, that letter we should write, that apology we should make, that phone call we should give, that gift we should offer, that gift of grace and love, don't wait. Go give a hug. Go give someone love. Do it while you can. So I end with this question this morning. How can I, how can we, change our gift-giving to be more like the wise men. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today so grateful that you are a giving, you are the giving God. There is no other. And you give, and you give, and you give. The Apostle Paul says you have lavished your grace upon us. What an incredible gift grace is. What an incredible gift your love is and your mercy and your provision and your kindness and your son and the scripture and the fellowship of believers and so, so much more because every good gift we know comes from the Father of lights, from you, Heavenly Father. And there are these men, we don't know how many there were or where they really came from or how long it took them to get there, but we know they listened, and we knew they get, we know they gave gifts in keeping who with who Jesus was and why He came, and we know that they were willing to go through hardship to bring those gifts personally, and we know they gave them as grace gifts, as love gifts. We know those gifts were significant not only because of the value of those gifts but because of the heart behind the giving of those gifts. And so, Father, as we give our gifts this Christmas season, may we give like the wise men did. May we give gifts of love. May we give gifts of grace. May we give those gifts that include the intangibles that even when that thing we gave is tossed aside or worn out or forgotten about, the intangibles will still last in people's hearts because those are the most valuable things to us. May we be willing to spend time to make memories, to set a godly example, those things that truly make a difference over time. And thank you, Father, 
for the way people in the Longmont Church of the Nazarene give love gifts to one another. It's the gift of care. It's the gift of prayer. It's the gift of concern and love for one another. It's the gift of willingness to come and worship together. It's the gift of fellowship. We give gifts all all year long. Sometimes we don't even realize that it is a gift. We've just been doing it so faithfully and so consistently it doesn't occur to us what a blessing it is to others. And I thank you that we just keep doing that. And I pray that we will keep doing that. And I pray that, Lord God, from the example of the wise men, it will impact the way we think about our gift giving from now on. And again, Father, today, we thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus, your son. It's still amazing. (laughs) How could you package yourself in a baby? That's one of the things that makes you God because it's impossible for me to understand. And yet it's true. It's a fact that will never change. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Lord God, today for Jesus, your son. May we celebrate his birth and his life, and his death and resurrection well in our own homes and in our own hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.